to The Good Life, a podcast brought to you by the Office of the Chaplain at the University of Pennsylvania. Hello, Chaz Howard, University Chaplain here at the University of Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Patty Anton. I'm the chaplain with the Muslim uh, Life Program here at Penn. Hello, I'm Chris Ryan. I am an intern in the Office of the Chaplain here at the University of Pennsylvania and a student at Princeton Theological Seminary. And I'm Rabbi Josh Bolton. I'm the director of the Jewish Renaissance Project, which is an initiative of Penn Hillel here at the University of Pennsylvania. Joined by a number of great students here in the Bishop White Room in Houston Hall. Okay. Thank you all for coming. So today we wanted to really just start a conversation around character and this kind of, you know, the start of this goes back to the summer where Chaz and I got to spend uh, a couple days up at the Rockefeller Brothers Foundation um, with chaplains from different campuses and, you know, having a conversation about like how our own um, spiritual practice, um, even for us as chaplains, helps us to you know work on those parts of ourselves that we want to change and how we want to be better and and uh, you know when we ended that conversation you know I think we were all kind of moved by that experience and, and found that it took us to a different space and maybe a bit of a deeper space and we wanted to bring some of that back to campus and we wanted to be able to share that you know with the students in the campus community here um, and so that's when we decided we're going to do a series and we're going to have a lot of conversations, I guess, around character and a lot of different people to share the aspects of, of character that they've learned from their tradition, what it means for them and where they are in their lives. Um, and that hopefully, you know, through that we can, you know, have some benefit over there. Do you want to add anything to that, Chaz? I think it was great uh, the way you framed it. I, a couple of phrases stick out from our time this summer. One about character both being taught and caught. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we'll explore a little bit of that today, this notion of, of catching character from the people around us. One thing you said earlier, Chris, before we started recording was, you know, you, you learn how to deal with people from people. Mm-hmm. And so character is something that's caught. But I think it also, in a, in a complicated way, can be something that can be taught also. Um, and part of what we were hoping was we can uh, not so much teach character, but explore different ways that character is formed, uh, particularly drawing from the soil of different spiritual traditions, but beyond that too. Um, one of the things we wanted to make clear early on is that we, we make no um, effort at forming one particular type of, of good character, whatever that might mean. There are so many beautiful traditions that speak to uh, good ways of living in the world, I think. Um, but they don't always agree, and that's fine. And one person's definition of what is a good way to navigate the world might differ from another's. And again, we make no illusion about what's the right way to live. On the other hand, we do want to have a conversation about character. Uh, and I think part of the reason we thought this would be fruitful um, is because, particularly in pre-professional spaces, oftentimes the emphasis on is on performance as opposed to who we are. And we just wanted to to create a couple of spaces, um, a couple of dialogical spaces to explore the inner life, not just the the productivity of one's vocation. You know, um, this is something that I've talked about uh, in a couple of different contexts, but something about that, that 
that difference between who we are versus what we have done mm -hmm. is something I have been reflecting on. And we've just come out of the kind of intensity of the season of the Jewish holidays. And um, one thing that I shared with Patty was that um, one of the themes of the holidays in, from a kind of thematic, from like a, if we could, if we were imagining what's the genre of the holidays, the genre of the holidays, the Jewish holidays is not your resume. Mm -hmm. It was your the eulogy. Mm -hmm. It was not. Yeah, I know it's heavy. I know that's my job. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's to it's to spend a little bit of time over the course of a year that is yeah focused so and justifiably maybe maybe not on 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 what we have accomplished right the genre of the of the resume and I think that pen is um, deeply a place of the resume. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is to kind of shift our attention from a genre perspective to um, the genre of the eulogy. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, when you think about the genre, people, yeah, they will, you, you know, it's imagining that the veil is pulled back and you are standing at your own funeral. May it not happen for many, many years. And you're listening to what people say about you and, and some sense that they will say what you have accomplished, but really they're going to talk about who you were. And which I think primarily is a conversation about, uh, more about character and uh, than it is uh, uh, the qualities of your character rather than the qualities of your kind of professional uh, uh, successes, accomplishments. Can, can I push that as a question? So you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about was how do we draw from our traditions um, in our own journey of character formation? But you know, specifically around the high holidays, so many of my, my peers and colleagues who have to work during the holidays, and it, it's it's the irony of I think religious professional religious life mm -hmm. is for what one person's Sabbath ends up being a work day for those who are religious professionals. Ironically, in some ways, um, mm -hmm. how does it not be? I don't know. How do you draw from this season? How do you speak to character? How has it formed your selfhood when it's work for you? You know, there's there's your your prepping sermon, your devotora prep, you're you're pulling together services, you're trying to get bodies at services and reserving rooms and all kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you move from the work of it to the character formation and allowing it to hit your own character too? Um, I for me personally, and my guess is that this is probably true for many religious professionals. Um, the fact that I have to work through the themes that I have to work mm. through, mm. the rituals that I have to work through, the experience of the religious calendar. Um, uh, experientially, um, that work trickles down, trickles into my own lived experience in a much more intense way. So um, on the holidays that I'm not, um, uh, I, that I don't have professional obligations around, I, I find uh, uh, for one, one reason or the other, the, the themes of those holidays make less of an impact on me than those that I have to stand up in front of and explain the meaning mm -hmm. to others. Uh, if I'm lucky, then my own soul hears the meaning mm -hmm. of those things a little bit as well. So I, my, I don't know if that's true for others, but in my experience, I am grateful for the fact that I have to work through the, 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 the high holiday season. Uh, yeah, it's a burden. It's... Um, I would love to just be a Jew in the pew, as we said, mm. Mm. but um, but in re in reality, like I usually I, I usually walk 
out of the season pretty wiped out because of the the fact that I've walked so profoundly through the themes myself. Yeah. Uh, I've just heard myself talk. <laughs> I'm lucky. Well, yeah, if I, if I've heard myself talk, you know, mm-hmm. then it has made a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to to actually listen to what you're working through, um, particularly when you kind of put it in, just put the car in neutral and, and, and just have to kind of go with it. And, you know, I think our the parallel would be kind of during Holy Week when, you know, I find myself preaching at like a Monday, Thursday, celebrate, you know, Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday and Easter and different places and you're driving to spots and you're kind of, you know, perpetually just engaging people. As an introvert, it's draining. Um, but it's at worst, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. I'm, uh, I'm delivering, I'm working, as opposed to letting it work you um, and inform you, which could be a blessing, but also could be a tragedy if you're not letting the tradition speak to you. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm interested in coming back to this, this question about, um, on, the, on the question of how we inform ourselves uh, on what character means, you know, what are the, Patty, I'm, I'm opening up with you, you know, like, as you kind of peruse and, you know, harvest from your own religious tradition, what are the guideposts uh, around the question of, of character that have been inspirational, meaningful, provocative for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, and I, and I find myself going in two ways right now because, you know, as, as we were, um, you know, coming into this, I tend to be an analytical person, you know, so I, I like this, like, okay, let's outline exactly what are the concepts of, mm. you know, this spiritual path and let's look at it as a science and what does it mean and what are the characteristics and that we need to cultivate and how does that go to the aspects of different life and what are the diseases and the things that we have to worry about and, and then like kind of be very systematic and that works for part of my brain because I'm very analytical, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, w- right before we had this session, you know, y- we kind of had this question of like, well, what other than your faith also, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like shapes your character. And um, so, so you, you know, that kind of pulled me in a different direction, mm-hmm. you know. And it took me back to my childhood and um, where I think I got most of my training in character. Um, I tell people I was raised in a barn because, <laughs> because you know, horses were a big part of my childhood. My family um, raised horses. Um, I competed from the age of four. Um, awesome. And it was in that, you know, learning to, you know, work with the animals, um, learning to train the animals, to take care of them that a lot of my own self-cultivation happened, mm. you know. Um, we have, like, you know, for me as a Muslim, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he spent part of his childhood, part of his youth, working as a shepherd. And he said this is something that, like, all the prophets did. Like, this was, like, a natural, like, part of the preparation for being able to, you know, work with people and cultivate people is to be able to work with, you know, the kind of animals, you know, to be able to take care of their needs and to look out for them, to respond to them in their nature and and what have you. And I mean, I think from that, you know, I learned to like push through being tired, push through, you know, my own lethargy to realize, you know, this this animal needs fed. If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. You know, it needs to be cared for. If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And that would be 
an injustice, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, you know, this animal is going to get scared, so I need to learn to be calm, and I need to learn to be comforting, you know. Um, I did jumping, you know, and I was a real shy person, so I had to learn to both, you know, overcome my shyness um, in terms of, you know, performing in competitions, but I also had to learn to, like, you know, uh, overcome my fears and to have the courage to like you know work with this creature and to push forward and to do what needs to be done to like you know look out for the safety so um, I'm very grateful that I had that in my childhood um, sometimes I even look I remember like we didn't have running water up to the water when I was a kid and I used to carry these you know in the middle of the winter I used to carry the water buckets because the buckets of water would freeze for the horses mm. you know and I remember that and that was like it was kind of hard, you know. Yeah. But it, you know, it was something that really helped, like I think, shape my character. So, um, you know, I think that that there is that kind of academic part of it. There's that understanding, like, what are the attributes that we want to have? What are the challenges to that? What is the psychology of it? But then there's like, all right, now you have a situation. You know, what are you going to do in that moment? And and like you said, did you get it right? Didn't you get it right? I mean, this was earlier before you were talking about learning through experience, you know, that, that, okay, sometimes you don't get things right that now you realize you have to do things better. So. And, and then what, and in your kind of religious journey as you approached and immersed yourself in the Muslim tradition, did you find a type of validation or, 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 uh, or um, uh, uh, did you feel that those qualities, those attributes that you learned working with horses were uh, uh, repeated only uh, with the full weight of the religious tradition behind them? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so now, you know, I can read those those things together, right? So I actually did this in one retreat. They were like, I was going to do, again, being an analytical personality, I was going to, let's talk about identity or this. And they're like, no, talk about horses. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, I did a whole slideshow of these pictures of horses. But in each one, you know, talking about like, well, what is the spiritual lesson that, you know, that I learned, mm-hmm. you know, kind of from that, right? So how to have patience, you know, how to be persevering, how to be, you know, kind, you know, and when, you, when you're when you hurting, how do you still respond in a way that's going to, like, make the situation better, you know, so, and, and part of it is also, you know, learning to, like, that it's not all about you, it's not all about your ego, you know, that you have to have a little bit of concern and you have to have a little bit of effort and striving. It's profound for you. As a, as a religious professional, to name the fact that a part of your character formation happened outside of the Quran. Mm. Uh, and I, I mean, I think I was expecting your answer to be, I think many would expect our answers to begin with, well, you know, this surah speaks to this. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this imam once taught me that, you know, and, and like the only source of character cultivation could be religion. Or for you to begin with a story about taking care of mm. vulnerable animals as a kid. And, you know, at a time you probably didn't even realize this is forming the core of who you are behaviorally. Um, I, I, your remarks almost give people permission uh, to, to allow for, uh, I was going to say non-spiritual sources to, to form them, but mm. there's something deeply spiritual mm. about your, your story there. Um, that makes you the, the great minister you are today. Um, who knew back in the farm that 
<laughs> this is a part of your formal training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, to make that shift a little bit textually is that, you know, one of the sayings of the prophet, peace be upon him, was that, you know, I was not sent except to perfect noble character. Mm. So to recognize yeah. that, you know, people have good in them, yeah. you know, and then how do, how do we direct and how do we cultivate that? Mm. You know, and that's where, for me, the example of the prophet, peace be upon him, is out there, right? That, that's what they say about the prophet, is that, you know, he was on a perfect character. That he is that kind of role model that we have, that we can try and shape ourselves off of, you know. To see how did he interact, you know, as a human being. Um, you know, what was his patience, what was his kindness, what was his courage, mm-hmm. you know. That, that he was known even by those who opposed him, they knew they could trust him, mm. you know. Mm. This great story, uh, I think it's external to the Quran, um, about the Prophet where, there was, maybe we talk about this, where he was walking through the street of some town and someone who opposed him would sort of give him the business every single day about how wrong he was and, and at one point was throwing trash at him. Um, and then that woman gets sick and then the Prophet visits her and actually helps take care of her in the hospital. Or, or in her home wherever she was ill. Mm. Um, and that story moved me about engaging people who are critical of you, mm. who, are, who are mean to you, um, and the way that those sort of stories can form our character. I mean, I think that there's you know, religious breaking down and theological reflection we can do on a certain level. I'm looking at the seminarian in the room as we say that. Right? <laughs> um, but then there's just a, like, hey, that's a life lesson you're not going to forget. You know, I mean, I think, you know, reading scripture as a kid and, you know, on, on Monday, Thursday, hearing about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, the deep surprise that the first time you hear that, it, it, it hits you as a kid of, wait a minute, like the guy who's like the center of our whole religion got on his knees and is washing stinky old dusty feet. Mm-hmm. Of, of the cats who are like his students. And that you know, image sort of is, is an icon to me that I have never, ever forgotten. Mm. Um, and had, have had better and then worse times of, of being faithful to that subtle teaching that's caught. And so there's a lot to say about what can you learn about leadership in that and humility and things. But it's also a, an image you remember of this is a way to love. This is a way to lead. This is a way to work in an office, to be a, a minister or whatever. Um, so when I think about drawing from my tradition, I, it's more of those kind of flashes and stories. Um, there's deeper things that we've read over time from theologians, from great sermons, or mm. you know, being mentored in our religious traditions that that really are, are hitting it hard formatively. But it's those little flashes. They are little flashes of courage. Um, you know, the story of David and Goliath, and then there's complexity about who owns that story, mm. but just the story of like a little boy, teen, mustering the courage to throw this slingshot rock against all odds and kind of, you know, you, you remember those stories as, as, a, as a kid, like, man, I should be brave in this football game where mm. I know the other team on the other side of the court, they're all giants, but but David beat Goliath and you never know, mm. you know. So the, those things that, that form your character, I, and I don't think I, I knew that they were forming 
core of who I am and who I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Well, so far we've 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 been talking about role models from our from within our tradition. Um, maybe we can open up the floor a little bit yeah. to questions of other role models, role models that have uh, helped shape our character that perhaps are not found in our religious texts or um, even within our religious tradition. Um, thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about this. And as you said, you know, role models that are not found within our own religious tradition, I, I wanted to share this point. And that is that while, yes, I did have examples of or role models in my life growing up and, you know, in my life, you know, today, I don't know about you all, but it seems to me that if I am, if I have done kind of the necessary prerequisite spiritual work to soften me up to be a kind of uh, um, a receptive, aware person, the folks in the world who have the greatest impact upon me by the examples of their actions usually are people that I do not know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I see uh, um, acts both of, of good and of bad in the street. Um, those acts tend to um, uh, find addresses in my memory and in kind of the memory of my spirit in a way that is that is um, uh, uh, is really deep. And you know, just an example of that, I was driving home. Maybe it was it yesterday or the other day? And I and I and I watched. Um, uh, we were just getting onto the the ramp onto 76, and I watched. You know, it's a place where people there's. It's a cheap, easy place to let off some, you know, some uh, steam from the, from the stress of the day. And I watched um, someone who who I thought they were going to go that way, and they they just um, were very generous with someone who was in kind of like a tough spot, letting a car in, and waved, and there was some generosity in that. And it was, you know, in, in my mind, I watched that, and I was like, uh, you know, I want to I want to pay that forward as we speak. But I was just, you know, I was I was aware of. How I was expecting, well, I was in the position where I was expecting, you know, people to kind of behave in that small, you know, kind of, uh, in that small way that humans can be expected to kind of behave. And I watched someone, you know, act, you know, with generosity, and it was an anonymous act of generosity. And, except I saw it. And, um, and it made a big impression on me. The one thing I'll say about that is, I, I, you know, in, our, in my tradition, we, come, we have this, this notion that, that, there's a, that Elijah the prophet, you know, is kind of always kind of lurking around as kind mm-hmm. of a hidden figure uh, amongst us. And so, um, you know, one thing that I'm always aware of is, I, first of all, if someone asks me for a dollar on the street, I never want to be the guy who, like, doesn't give a dollar to, mm-hmm. who, who ends up being Elijah. You know, but but uh, also, um, you know, when someone is uh, uh, demonstrates that type of anonymous act of compassion or kindness or generosity, uh, is it anonymous or is it you know actually quite sacred? And mm-hmm. is, is is it outside of the tradition or is it completely inside of the tradition? Or is it somehow both? It's both, right? right. So so yeah. I may, maybe for me, like oftentimes those anonymous acts of kindness are the most sacred ones. Um, and so while I could reference, you know, the people in my life, I, I will give credit to those anonymous uh, few who have even recently made big impacts, usually just on, the, on a real basic level of how we treat people, how we greet people, how we receive and send people off, uh, uh, how we talk to folks, um, uh, what we share with them, what we don't share with them, uh, the stuff that can really make or break a person's day that we're often not 
uh, uh, sensitive uh, 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 about. Um, folks in the streets have taught me that over and again, uh, the lessons around character, and I'm grateful to them. I, I, I don't get a chance to thank them, but I'm grateful to them. Yeah. Chaz, you, you were um, mentioning a very interesting story earlier today uh, oh. in this regard. I was wondering if you mind sharing that. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I um, two things. The very often in some of our religious traditions, I think we are taught implicitly or explicitly to that our tradition should be the only source of of right morality and certainly right character. Um, and some of that's implicit just by what we're given to read and what we see and who we're invited to speak to us and, and preach to us. But, uh, and that's understandable. I think it's, it's very often the case that we are taught that our religion, is, our tradition is right and that the others aren't necessarily wrong, but they're not right. Mm-hmm. You know? And with that comes with, therefore, the major figures in those other traditions there's nothing redeemable. There's nothing to learn from mm-hmm. them. And so, you know, I've coming from a tradition that implied that at times, uh, I've been surprised with joy at uh, the, the blessings and the wisdom I've brought from other traditions. It's not to reduce tradition to say that they're all the same, that they all lead the same space. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. But that's not to say that the witness and life of the Buddha hasn't deeply hit my soul, um, certainly behaviorally, um, or you know the, the, the writings of Abraham Joshua Heschel, Rabbi, Rabbi Heschel, um, or what he writes about Baal Shem Tov, the Kutzka Rebbe, and like those lives and the way that they've deeply hit me, mm-hmm. the life of Rumi, Gandhi, um, have so made me a, a, a better Christian. Mm-hmm that I'm so grateful for my path crossing their paths. And, and I'd be lying if I didn't say that my character or what I aim for character-wise hasn't been somehow touched by many more names than just those I invoked. Um, but this weekend I was, I was thinking about a story and reading a story uh, about my uncle. And, you know, like... Uh, so much of uh, I, I love sports glory stories you know, my, my, uh, my wife jokes me about this of half of the dreams I wake up and tell her I had like I, I, babe, I had the dream I had the winning basket and and, <laughs> and, and and I can you know barely touch the net anymore whatever I'll still beat Jackson in her office though in basketball just a special shout out there that's good um, but my uncle there's a story of my uncle Joe played college football for the University of Iowa for one year and he played for a coach named Slip Madigan, who uh, was a well-known coach in the mid and early 20th century. He uh, played, played center or something like that for Notre Dame, coached in California, and then was brought on as interim coach in, in the University of Iowa. And my uncle was one of, if not the one, black football player there. Um, and they were going to play another Big Ten I think, team. Uh, that was led by an, an African-American running back named George Taliaferro. And the story, you know, I've heard from my dad, I heard from Uncle Joe, from my cousins, and, and it, it's one of those sort of family lore stories. And, and, it, and the story was being told to me, I was imagining it playing out, and against all odds, my uncle got the winning tackle, 
and saved the game and, and overcame being, you know, such a minority in such a space. And like, so don't let, that, that's the story I expected. But the story was told that uh, in the locker room before the game, the coach talks about we have to stop that nigger on the other team. We've got to stop Tally Foro, that nigger. And kept using that, that word that cuts the ear every time you hear it. And my Uncle Joe, before the game, says, well, if that's how you feel about it, then I don't think I can play. And the coach says, well, then you can walk home from this other campus in this other state. You can walk your behind home. And he walks out of the locker room and calls my grandfather, uh, comes and picks him up and says, you did the right thing. And my uncle talked about how so much of the kind of after-dinner conversations that granddad had with him and my, my dad and my other uncle was, was forming his character for that moment of you never allow injustice to go unnoticed. You never allow hate like that to go unchecked or unpushed on, even when there's great cost involved. So my uncle never played, didn't play college football after that. He, he a promising playing for a major program and ends up not playing anymore in, in the name of not, not uh, you know, bowing or cowing to, to hate like that. Mm-hmm. That story, which I've since also passed on to my kids, has just as much weight to me, and there may be something unhealthy about this, but as David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say is just infused, just as infused with the spirit as, as those kind of stories are too. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about role models, I think about the Biggies, uh, not Biggie the rapper, but he in some ways is a role model in some ways, but, <laughs> but the Biggies of, of history. Um, and then the kind of folks like my Uncle Joe, you know, mm-hmm. who only a handful of people have heard that story. Thank you for pushing me to share that. You know, I'm struck by listening to that story, just thinking about how um, sometimes character and the and the attributes of good character are in tension with some of the attributes and characteristics of um, success at all costs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, and I think that there is to some extent we. I'm interested in inviting a conversation uh, around um, uh, cultivating character, um, even though that might mean um, sacrificing some aspect of what we imagine to be a part of the, I don't know, the personality of success. Uh, I'm thinking about the context of, of, of our university here, but also... Um, knowing that so many of the students who go forth from this place go off to to accomplish remarkable feats and to positions of um, immense responsibility and 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 power, um, and that I'm I'm just struck often by um, the stories that are told between students from mentor to student around what the characteristics and qualities of success are, are not the same stories. It's not that story that you just shared right there about walking off and never doing it again. And about the kind of uh, 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 relinquishing uh, uh, the, the grandeur 
Um, you know, you you, ant- you even you said you anticipated it as a story of of of, of right fist in the air success. You know, uh, in the end, it's a story of um, not a failure, but it's a story of a different. It's a it's a it's a type of success that is that is that has no the, the gains of which are not monetary. Mm. Mm. The gains of which are, um, we might describe as spiritual. You know, it's, you know, it's great at teaching this, our office of student conduct. And, you know, the a student gets caught plagiarizing, cheating on a test, whatever, um, which in the grand scheme of things may seem like a fairly minor thing. But, but the university takes very seriously. We're an academic institution. Obviously, we take our stuff very seriously. But the lesson of sometimes it's it's better for your soul to take an L on this exam and to fail it mm. rather than cheat and get ahead. Mm. And and when the stakes are, you know, getting into law school, getting a major fellowship, keeping my GPA so high, you can see why someone may sort of, you know, smudge these boundaries of character and well, look, it, success is more important than this little thing. And that doesn't make me a bad person. That I'm just going to, you know, copy and paste something here. But it's important. And our office does a good job, our student conduct does a good job of pushing these things. Because they can get much bigger. And I think, I mean, I'm so glad you brought this point up, Josh. They, this is one of my great concerns about our current state of politics right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that this transcends party, and I think this is on multiple levels of politics. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's most modeled, I think, by... The highest level of politics in our country where the goal seems to be I'm going to win at any cost mm. whether that compromises my commitment to integrity and truth-telling whether it makes me sink to the level of name-calling and scandal and slander um, because the point is to win this election mm. because once I'm in office then I can do a lot of good for people and my team and whatever and, and again I don't think this is limited to limited to our current president uh, but I think it is most gravely displayed by our current president, by the, the carelessness around character. And the model that that trickles down to of, it shows that it works. Mm. That compromising character and compromising te- integrity, it can, it can bring you the success that, that I desire. And that's tragic. Mm. And that's mm. tragic. Mm. You know, as you're bringing up kind of, uh, you know, everything that goes through my Facebook news feed and, and what have you, um, and how it relates to character um, yeah. and the idea of cultivating it and why, why it's important that we're even having these conversations. Um, you know, I'm, what's coming to mind also is the, the hashtag Me Too mm. that's happening right now. Oh, and, and thinking yeah. about, well, where, how does that relate to the this mm. idea of character mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. Right? When we say that we have, we have a rape culture, mm. you know, um, that, that at the center of that, that is that people are willing to pursue things not caring how it affects other people, mm. you know, that what people have in terms of their own desires, in terms of what they want, you know, um, they're willing to pursue that not caring about the harm, not mm. caring about the effect and the detriment of other people. Um, you know, so I, I feel like there's an aspect of that where we talk about rape culture, you know, 
um, that is not separate from from this political mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and that is why it's actually very urgent that we do talk about. And as human beings, we have always talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And our traditions have always said, you know what? It's kind of important that we learn to have good character with one another. Because otherwise, it's too painful. Stakes are very high. Hmm. Just mindful of time here. It's um, 2.40. So do we need to do any type of, like, uh, uh, wrapping up? Yeah. Or just, like, uh, we'll, Yeah. You know, I just um, maybe just reflect back a couple things from from the conversation is um, I was thinking of this teaching um, we were talking about, like taking from different traditions that we have this teaching that a believer is the mirror for the believer, you know, and for me, I feel like I mean, I feel like all of you here, you are that for me as well, Mm. you know, Um, that I can see my own beliefs reflected in you and you are a reminder to me. You know, and you can help me, you know, adjust myself in that sense, right? So we do, we like align ourselves mm-hmm. with the mirror. Where can I like make things look a little bit better, move something that's out of place, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and that we all do that for one another mm-hmm. and that we, that, that we rely on each other. And, you know, I was also thinking when you were talking about that, that example of Jesus washing the feet, mm-hmm. um, it really connected with a reflection I was having this morning about, you know, who I choose as my own teachers, mm-hmm. you know? And I always, whenever I introduce one of my teachers, I always say, I want to be like him when I grow up. Mm. That's why he's my teacher. Mm. Even we're the same age, actually. <laughs> but, you know, I want to be like that. Like, you know, I mean, I see his humility. I see his kindness. I see his generosity. I see the way that he always steps up and serves. And he always does more for me than I do for him. And, you know, and I want to be more like that, you know. And that's, that's part of the, the kind of cultivating that, that I kind of want to have. And, and I thank you all for, I guess, being that for me as well. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. I think if we're doing our final lap of closing thoughts, I think the listening to your comments around the Me Too campaign and the use of the word urgent, mm. that there's a lot of me that thinks character cultivation is kind of long game. Yeah, you know, you, mm. we're, we're, we're blessed to have young people in our lives as kids, students, mentees, whatever. And, you know, hopefully, God willing, we can journey with them for 80 years. But, but there are urgent conversations that need to happen, too. Um, in a lot of, and not to gender it or speak over, you know, heteronormativity at all, but urgently with young men in some ways, particularly around rape culture. Um, because the consequences are extremely high and, and painful if we're not going to, teach people the appropriate boundaries, but also selflessness and not to be selfish about our own desires or whatever. I think it's, it is urgent. Mm. So I'm thankful, thank you for bringing that, for invoking that campaign and bringing it up. Um, Well, the comment that you just made, Chaz, about character being both a long game and an immediate need. I think is very important, especially as we move forward into future weeks and discussions about character, uh, that each person that presents or speaks has in mind both the formation of the person in light of eulogy, for example, Mm -hmm. as our our first example, but also the immediate need uh, to to take care of the people around us, to love people. Um, And I think uh, there's going to be a a lot of really good conversations around that, around how, how do we keep in mind the long game 
right? Because none of us are fully formed people. Uh, none of us, we may not even reach that, that pinnacle of being fully formed uh, ethical people. Um, however, there are um, also issues that need to be addressed now. And hopefully we'll have a, a nice mix of that moving forward um, in these discussions. Thanks for listening to The Good Life. For more information about religion and spiritual life at the University of Pennsylvania, check out our website at upenn.edu chaplain.